Hello everyone and welcome to Turkey Ahmed podcast show. In this podcast, I meet with passionate entrepreneurs and business owners and explore what it really means for entrepreneurs to turn their passion into profitable, successful businesses and brands. I also share and talk about business strategies, entrepreneurship, leadership, and success strategies and skills in life and business, and all relevant advices and knowledge that help entrepreneurs improve themselves, their characters, and empower their entrepreneurship adventure to create legendary ventures and brands with abundance of fulfilled life and well-being. So if you are an ambitious entrepreneur or you are aspiring to become one and enjoy the fun journey of entrepreneurship adventures and build an impactful future, you are definitely my fellow entrepreneur in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get this started. Hello everyone. Welcome to Turkey Ahmed Podcast Show. Today I am so honored and excited to have one of the outlier entrepreneurs. Taqi Salib, he is the co-founder of The Last Link, The Bubble, and uh, other uh, startups. He's literally a serial entrepreneur who started several uh, startups and ended up with The Last Link and Bubble for now. He's someone I really admire. He did not give a second thought when, he, when it comes to answer the call of his passion to serve his passion and follow his entrepreneurial journey and adventure to just quit his doctoral study and uh, go with his passion for starting and co-founding uh, the startup. He today, one of the startups that globally is working well in the US, in Saudi Arabia and other parts of the world. They are going globally and expanding. So, Taki, yes, please, I'm so interested to listen about someone who make a brave decision just to quit his, you know, first love idea, the doctoral program, and then just turn to fulfill your passion and follow your passion for starting the startup. Please tell us. We are so eager to hear uh, from this. Of course. Uh, first, thank you, Turkey, for inviting me. Uh, happy to be here. My pleasure, my brother. Of course. Yes, PhD is a story. It wasn't a hard decision, but it was a, a tough time. I go in between the two, the startup and the PhD journeys at the same time. And I was going full time on both of them. So I had to make a choice. Great. And for me, the PhD was more about the knowledge than the actual degree. So it wasn't a hard decision for me to switch. I learned what I needed to do, what I needed to learn to use that knowledge in our startups until I simply walked into my advisor and I said, hi, I'm doing two things at the same time. Hi. I'm doing the PhD. And as you know, it's not a secret. I'm doing my startup and I'm interested more into my startup. And I'd like to just stop this for now. And that conversation took 90 seconds and I said, hi. And then I left Great. and that was it. Great. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, yeah. Tell us about... How did you uh, start your own startup, first startup, uh, starting from the phone shake, the other startups that you pursue at that time? Correct. So at that time when I was doing my PhD, I knew I wanted to be starting something. Did not know what it was. So out of a need, I was in the US and my laptop, I bought it from the US. So the keyboard was in English and I wanted to use an Arabic keyboard. Okay. The story I didn't tell anybody, but now you know. <laughs> okay. 
And I wanted to create something that is digital, where I wanted to create a digitalized keyboard with LCDs so I can just switch the language. So instead of having stickers on the keyboard with English letters, with just a click of a button, you can change it to any language. Interesting. So that's what I was doing at that time. I created a team with a few friends of mine. I was running around campus looking for resources. And so, and a teammate at that time, Vish, which is my co-founder now for eight years, saw me just what I was, I would use the word hustle. So I was hustling and he was like, I see you going around, doing stuff, you have the energy. And so we're building something, you want to be a part of it. And I said, just tell me what it is. And so he said, we wanted to create something for universities, a social platform that provide all the resources in campus. And I said, sure, what do I need to do? So that was the first thing that he said. We need you to raise $5 million. Imagine at that time, I was just an engineer. I had no idea about startups, business, nothing. Someone who just wanted to build and be part of something. And I said, it took me 30 seconds to say yes. I think I'm crazy. I had no funding experience, no startup experience. And I started talking to people. And I was able to raise 200K. So that's when I knew I'm meant to do this. And so that's how I started my well, journey. Well, that means you are entrepreneurial blood. I mean, you are someone who is just taking the risk and taking the opportunity and uh, doing what you uh, love to do, which I mean, that's what, uh, you know, translates for an entrepreneur, actually, who loves to, you know, innovate and creative and innovative solutions for uh, others, which is interesting. Okay, so that's when it came from Fonshake to starting the... So the first idea, the platform that we not, we wanted to build for universities, we called it UPL. Okay. So UPL is, U comes from university, and PLA comes from people, so university people. Interesting, okay. So we raised money for that. We, we were all known to this world, okay? So we raised the money. Uh, we built the platform. We built a huge platform. We were able to get a lot of clients, 40 plus universities before we even built the whole platform. Like they were interested in what we were doing. Within a frame time of... It wasn't long. It was six months or maybe to a year. Well, I mean, uh, that's not wrong. I mean, yeah. 40 you know, users within a six month, that's really... Yeah, 40 universities. So you, the students and the faculty would come from those universities. So the number of users would be a lot bigger. Uh, but we built something without talking to customers. So we built a very comprehensive platform. Until today, I believe if we put the resources that we have today and the uh, talent, it would still be successful. Nobody has built something like it today, even though we pushed it like that was like uh, six years ago. And the mistakes we made, we built the whole platform. We did not talk to the clients, like who was going to be the paying customer. We did not know that at that time. It is a typical problem. Yes, exactly. So we built... A very comprehensive platform where we needed the alumni association, the uh, faculty, the administration, literally everybody in the school to be a part of it. Then when it came to who to speak to, to sell this, that was a big issue. Also, we did not think about the pricing model. So we were just crazy entrepreneurs who had an idea, <laughs> went to raise money and then built it. And now, now what? <laughs> okay. So we had to archive that platform. Yeah. I see. Interesting. Yeah. And then um, during that time, we were uh, pitching the idea to a dean at Oregon State University. And then at the end of the meeting, she said, do you have a business card? I'm interested in what, you're, in what you guys are doing and you know, I'd be interested to support you. And then we said, we're 
students, we don't carry business cards. And then someone said, it'd be nice if there is an app to exchange contact information. So that's where the phone shake idea came from. I see. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So you, okay. So you took the opportunity from this problem and uh, you built the phone shake. Correct. So can you talk, how did you start the phone shake at that time? And, uh, it's another interesting uh, story. So we had that meeting with the dean. We discussed this idea of having an app to exchange contact information for literally two minutes. So we went our separate ways. My founders and I knew at that time that we need to archive uh, Yopal because it was too big and we need to come back to it at some point. But then so I went my separate way. He went a separate way. And then we decided to rejoin after a few days. I called him. I said, hey, Vish, remember the idea of um, the app to exchange contact information? Right. He said, yes. I said, let's meet. I'd love to just talk about a few things. So we go to Starbucks, we talk, and I tell him what I have in mind, and this is not even a joke. He brings his bag and pulls a piece of paper, literally having exactly what I said. So we both went our separate ways, thought about the same thing, came back together, and shared the same idea. (laughs) So the minds are colliding. Yes. Um, And then um, as we were talking, we wanted to make it different. We quickly searched the market. And then we came up with the idea of um, phone shake, which using the sound wave technology. You shake your phone and then um, the person next to you who has the app would receive, you know, some kind of ID through sound wave. And then you would be able to exchange contact information. So that was an year of 2018, I think? or That was around 2000 and I think even maybe 16, 18 years. Yeah, during that time. It is very recent. It wasn't on that day. Yeah. So the mistake that we did there, so we said, okay, with Yupal, we did not ask the customers whether they wanted, you know, like what they needed. So with PhoneShake, we were excited. So we asked everyone, do you like the product? They're like, yes, 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 yes. We're like, okay, we got it. You know, we're going to be millionaires and let's build this. (laughs) So we built it. Now, what we learned, the other mistake asking people whether they like the product or not is the wrong question. The right question should have been, would you pay for this? Nobody wanted to pay for it. That was a phone shake. And so we decided, what do we do now? So we wanted to still be part of that networking, communication, you know, social aspect of platforms. And we came across something that is called NFC technology, which is now used in all the uh, most recent, recent phones. And also this specific idea that I'm going to tell you now, you've probably seen it all over the uh, social media advertisements, which we built something different, which we called it Last Card, right. not Last Link. Last okay. Link came from Last Card. Okay. Well, I... And for that one, we decided we're not going to build anything, okay, before we know the customers, before we even have them on our wait list, and before we even have them pay. Interesting. So, Yes. You decided just to follow the lean startup principle where you really sell your idea before you even build the technology for it. Yes. So we had this idea. We bought a sticker with NFC technology. Literally, I put it on a plastic card and you tap it on someone's phone and you get this notification with my contact information. At that time, it wasn't popular four years ago. Now it's all over the place. Right. We had an office at WeWork. Everybody was like on the spot. They knew about phone shake, but they were more interested about last card and they'd be willing to pay. And so we start asking them, how much would you be willing to pay? 
the first one say I'd, I'd be willing to pay you 150 dollars okay wow. so we go to the next one he's the next person says 90 and they're like 200 dollars we were like wow we're sitting on gold people are willing to pay for this let's do it so quickly we had um a list of i don't remember exactly or maybe around 100 people within literally a week or so and then we started talking to even organizations an organization like nike Nike, the headquarter of Nike is in Oregon. That's where I was. And they were interested in the idea because there are two sides to it. One, B2B. And the other one is B2C. Our focus one was not to sell this to as a B2B business. I mean, yes, as a B2C. It's, a, yeah, it's a clearly a, a B2C market, right? Yeah, but we wanted to make it B2B. The idea of quickly exchanging contact information for individuals really doesn't pay the bill and people don't really care. You would think it's a cool idea, but it's not a practical we were thinking ahead of the actual lead generation and how can we create a CRM out of this. So it's a whole platform rather than just a feature of exchanging contact information. That's where the interest came from. Real estate companies, construction companies, right, okay. sales departments. But then what happened? What happened? COVID hit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where last thing came. So okay, that's, yes, yes. And, and you know about last link, but yeah, we'll talk about that too. Yeah, for sure. Yes, I know. I mean, the opportunity was when the COVID hit actually the world with the COVID, and uh, you literally pivot to change the idea from this last, the card. last card to literally to uh, last link. Yes, yes. I mean, this is the one of the interview. I mean, skill to spot the opportunity and just work for it. And uh, if you just talk with us uh, again, how, I mean, did you start it? How was it, how was it, I mean, for uh, you to take the, this a chance and embrace the business model that really worked for you guys as you learned from the previous startups? Makes sense. So Lost Card was very exciting for us. People were coming our way. Companies were reaching out to us. So we pitched Lost Card at an event. Interesting, yes. Okay. And some people were there watching. And right away, I was actually back in Saudi at that time. But my co-founder pitched it at the event. And then a few people were interested to invest right away. Interesting. Okay. That was one week before the announcement of COVID. Okay. Now COVID came. Lost Card doesn't make any sense. My co-founder came and we discussed, it looks like everybody's going online. We see people going on Zoom. There's no networking side of it. It's just, you know, you get on Zoom, two people talk, and a list of people, you don't know who they are, what they do. So what should we do? So we quickly came up with the idea of a last link to create an event platform. So the idea wasn't even to create an event platform, was to create just one link that you drop in Zoom so people can just network, see who they are, what they do, just a log of people. Interesting. Okay. Slowly we start building that, but before that, once we came up with the idea, we created mock-ups. Okay. Just designs. Right. We took them back to the same investors that were interested in Lost Card. And we said, Lost Card is not going to work at this point because all the physical events are getting canceled. And that's where the opportunities is virtual events are you interested within one yes. week we raised one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. interesting yes before we even built anything interesting yes and i think you were with the right investor at that time i think 
This is what you see, guys. It is the time for building the platforms and technologies that support the virtual event, actually. Yes. And so with their support, we built platform quickly. We have a very talented team. And over the years, building different platforms, we learn how to build fast. So we built something. We sold it. We won a few events in, in the US too, competitions. And then uh, we were approached by Ithra. That's how we came to Saudi, you know. Right. Uh, expanding the operation to Saudi Arabia and other parts of the world. Correct. Interesting. So the good idea of the last link, I think, also, you were not trying to compete anybody. You just took it from there and uh, tried to just to integrate the solution with the other solutions that are already available in the market. So you avoid competing with the you know big players in the market, which is, I think, really wise and a smart move from you guys. So what was really the biggest obstacles and the challenges when you started the last link specifically after you, you know developed the technology and go-to-market operations? The biggest challenge was that we were good at building technologies in general. We're good communication, but the only missing thing was we were not experts in the field. We had no idea about the event space. We don't know how much other companies charge, what their hourly rate is. So I do remember when creating the platform, I talked to a lot of organizations. They were very excited. And I offered the platform for $45 a month. Not a single client came. And we were wondering why. Well, obviously then, as we started learning, nobody sells platforms, custom platforms, for less than 5K USD. So what we did, we started helping people producing events on Zoom. We had no idea how to do that. We knew we could do it. We didn't know how. So people started looking for people to help them do their events online using Zoom. At that time, there wasn't any, what we call them now, Zoom experts or Zoom producers. All right. So we decided to help this event. It went very well. We know how to organize. We know how to communicate. We, do, we know how to do things. So we learned how to do this on Zoom quickly. All right. And then it worked. And we're like, okay, let's do this again. So we started talking to more people, getting into our network. All right. And slowly we built that side of business where we only produce events on Zoom, on Microsoft Teams, on WebEx, on all these different platforms. So we really became the experts of the field. We understood the in and outs of all the technologies that are out there, the pain points of the event organizers. Right. And we knew how much other companies were charging. We made friends and they were telling us what the hourly rate should be rather than $20 per hour. It's $100 per hour, or maybe it's $75 per hour. I see. It's a huge jump. So once we became experts, we always wanted to be a service company. So we did that on the side, but we still kept working on LastLink. We built LastLink. We customized it. Rather than automating the system and having people just come and sign up for small tickets, we decided to customize the solution. Interesting. For bigger tickets. Interesting. How long that lasted for you for the trial? Is it that uh, you discover the market and you know? So fast, like within two months. And there is. Yeah, we move very fast. And now we actually have, I've mentioned to you, now we produce corporate events on Zoom, not oh. even on our technologies. Right. For MasterCard, for LinkedIn, for Patagonia, for 
big companies, right. even Slack, okay. Pfizer. Wow, interesting. So interesting. Yes. Well, so the biggest twins when you started last thing, um, you saw that there is a great opportunity. When you achieve this one, you discover that there is a lot more with LastLink. As a platform? Yes. When we customized it for Ethra. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it was really, this is the, the experience that you discovered that this is, this is, is going yes. really big. Absolutely, yes. Yes. Can you talk us, uh, how, how did you win the Ethra as a customer with you? As well? Usually how I work I reach out to people and can understand what they do just in general. Like if I see you somewhere, I'd walk up to you and say, hey, my name is Taki. That's what I do. I'd love to know what you do, you know. And then we'll just start talking and then kind of just keep that in mind of what you do, what kind of networks they have, what kind of access that you have. So I reached out to this person, wanted to talk about LastLink for a different use case. And he knew of me, I think, from LinkedIn, from some of the competitions that I won in the U.S. And then he said, I work at Ethra. I'm like, then forget the conversation that I came to talk to you about and let's work on Ithra. <laughs> and I showed him and he said, you know, Ithra, there's a lot of events. Me living in the US for 15 years, I have no idea what's going on here in the kingdom. I have very limited access. And he said, I'll get back to you when it's time. And you know what that means when somebody says, I'll get back to you, they never come back. Right. <laughs> so fortunately, I think I either followed up with him to just remind him, hey, uh, what's going on? Do you have any events? I think I did that. And he said, actually, there is, let me connect you with the right people. So he connected me with the right people at Ithra. And I explained what we do, what kind of things that we can customize. Uh, we're very customer centric. We don't work with a lot of clients. We work with very small clients. So we can serve them very well and make sure we can replicate that with other clients. And so they were happy. Our first event was Tenween, I believe, 2020, which is one of the biggest events at Ithra. So we built that. It was successful from our side, at least, you know, it was something new to the kingdom. And so people are still getting used to doing things online virtually. So people were not really motivated well, or they didn't feel comfortable using the product. But other programs knew of the platform and they came back to us. So we actually even customized it more for them. So that's how we also got more clients from Ithra for different programs. Interesting. And we also built different platforms for some of the clients at Ethra. So some of them came and said, hey, we need a registration system. So you are saying you came up with the new products? Yes, we did. Okay, interesting. Uh, can I talk, uh, I mean, very quick about these yeah. products? Yeah. And just less than a minute. So they needed a registration system where applicants would come and sign up, fill some kind of a form, upload some documents, some portfolios, and they wanted to have a backend to just evaluate those applications. Okay, so we quickly did that. Again, it was a custom solution. It's not, it wasn't automated. They used it. It was nice. So now another client came, like the museum team found it very useful. They were like, okay, we need this. We have another competition. So that's that now, cool. it's one of the most popular platforms that we have. So it's still a part of LastLink. As a company, it's, as a company. It's, but it's a separate platform. Okay. So can you talk for us as well for the products now included in the last link, like Bubble and uh, the new products that you produced uh, recently? So, so in the business, we have two sides of the business. One is the service side where we produce events. We do all the logistics, the production, and all the service side. Clients would come and say, hey, we have a two-days event, or we have a three-days event, or we have a 
workshops and conferences over a whole year. And we do this on Zoom, and here's the agenda. Can you take care of everything? So we take care of everything. Logistics, we do the uh, scheduling. We train the speakers. We do all the calendar invites. We do the onboarding, right. and we also produce the events. So that's one side of the business. The other side now, the technology, we have four platforms. We have Lastlink, which is a full-end solution for uh, events, for special programs where you have right. registration, we have networking, resources, streaming, everything. Right. And we fully customize that one. The other one is the submission and evaluation platform. We call it the uh, open call platform, and that's where you submit if you have a competition, or even schools use it. Understood. When you go to school, you submit an application, right. and somebody has to evaluate that. Is there any case that you used with the school? No. The third one we built because we were producing events. The clients wanted to have something where they can host their recording events, but they didn't want to host that on YouTube. Right. They wanted to have control. So we built something that is called Watch, which we refer to it as Netflix for events. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So you bring the recording. Very creative. Yes. yes. Okay. You put it on this website. You give access to clients that are interested. Whether it's paid or free, it's up to you. And then the last one is Bubble, which is a 2D metaverse a video interactive platform. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I read about that in Arab news. Actually, it was published about the product. And if you talk uh, a little more about the concept idea of the uh, bubble, what it's really uh, offer for you know uh, the users. So bubble, as you would imagine, since we became experts in the field and we started producing so many events and we were building products, so not only we were doing research on how to produce events, we were also looking for the technologies right. so we can understand like what was in the market, Understood. what was going on. People didn't know us because we were not marketing anything. All the, all the um, network and the contacts that we, we created was from our network. Referrals. Okay. If we get more, we would be in trouble. So we just kept it small, focused. And then we saw some of the technologies out there and we're like, okay. We like this idea of a special audio feature, which is, you know, you would be in a video platform. You would join with people in bubbles. If you come close to them, you can hear them. If you move your bubble away, the audio fades away. Like you're walking away from a person in a physical world and you would hear them less, less, and less. So we saw that. We're like, okay, this is a new technology. What can we do? And then we knew, you know, with Zoom, it's very limited in terms of interaction because people are in boxes and only two people can talk at a time. If a third person talk, they'd over talk over each other. So we decided to build a platform using that technology only for events because we were in that space. Okay. So we built that, started showing it to people, trial. We built a version very fast, like within a day or so, without any features. You just come into a bubble and then you just move away. And that's it. Like no screen sharing, nothing. And people were like, wow. So we started doing that for events. And then slowly, we were getting interests from different people from different industries. All right. Okay. And so that's where the vision changed from just making it an event platform to actually creating buildings for businesses and organizations to do their operations, to do all their meetings. Interesting. Creating building. And I think you you mean the virtual building? Yes, virtual building. Oh, Correct. Interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, this is a really interesting product. So who's your uh, current biggest client so far? Or... So we have over 45 clients using our demo space. They have their own spaces, but it's still in beta. 
And okay. we choose to do that. Like we choose not to charge them because they're giving us all the feedback. That's how we learn what they want. That's how we fix all of our bugs. And slowly we can, you know, give them big discounts because they're our initial customers. I call them the 100 golden customers. And so we just signed, I think, like literally before I came, I signed a contract with the client from Brazil. Oh, congratulations. It, thank you. <laughs> to use it for two schools. So the type of clients that are using the platform today, school districts in the U.S., like literally a full school district. You would come in, go through the lobby, you go to the, through the teacher's room. They have parents' room. Each teacher has you know, their own like, classrooms, math class, you know, art class. So that's one use case. The other use case, people are using it as a business HQ headquarter for remote work. So you see people join 8 a.m. and leave at 5 p.m. Okay, interesting. So if you want me, you go to my virtual room and talk to me. I'd be there working. Right. You could create a co-working space where multiple people could be in the same room. If you want to talk to them, just move your bubble next to them and come back. Or you can have some privacy. Go to your room. And if they want you to, they can come to your room and talk to you. So that's another use case. The third one is the events, which is a daily pass. You have an event for one day, two days. You can get the platform for two days. So we have schools and we have corporate trainings which is the biggest use case. Interesting. So, yes. Well, I mean, I think, yes, the, the training part is very viable, I think, and very promising using the technology. Especially you don't have to have a hard, uh, I think, uh, technology like the VR itself. So this is, would be more comfortable for people and uh, encouraging to use the, the platform. Yes, and also we integrated the whiteboard. We integrated Google Docs, Google Sheets, slides. So we kind of gave all the tools for you to run an effective and successful workshop. Interesting. Yeah, I know you are guys working virtually globally. And you are experiencing the same, I mean, using the, the bubble concept and your remote work as a team. So can you tell me how is that working with you guys? I mean, you know, you are spreading around the world and uh, trying to you know, master the operation of your platform. How's that going with you? I mean, how do you stay motivated and how do you develop a culture that really motivates people to achieve, you know, organizational goal? And, uh... Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So when it comes to the team, before we even get to talk about how we operate virtually, when we select our members in the team, we make sure that they like what they do. Interesting. So I'm not going to hire you just only based on your skills. Can you do the calculation when plus one equals two? Yes. Do you like doing that? Yes. Why? So you have to really like what you do. Okay. We choose also people based on certain energies. We want to make sure everybody in the team like each other. We understand some people are introvert. Some of them are extrovert. But we make sure that everybody gets along. So when you come and talk to me, you don't talk to me as a boss. You talk to me just as another developer as another business developer on the team so that kind of culture that we created like my team members like i wouldn't call them employees you know my team members today they would just text me hey talkie what's up right so we don't have that boss employee relationship we're all the same level so that's kind of the core of what we do that you really you like what you do so that's how we select our team all of us when we get together in our quarterly meeting everybody's excited like i can grab bubbles randomly with two people, they don't even talk. Right. You'd see them just laugh and talk and just chat. Oh. So that's the core. When it comes to the virtual 
operation, we've been running a virtual team since 2015. Okay, all right. So COVID just boosted our experience when it came to virtual operation. We, we already had the experience. Uh, yes, yes. So you were really prepared for the exactly experience. So. Yes. It wasn't hard. You just having the right tools to make sure you can you know manage your tasks, you can assign tasks. The communication is the biggest piece here. Wow. You know, I meet with our team members all the time, one-on-one. Hey, do you have any problems, any issues, anything you want to share? Like, we really get into, like, interpersonal, you know, oh, talks. Yeah, that's very interesting, I mean, to hear. I mean, that's why you really build, uh, I think, organizational culture that's really last for long. Last link came out of the COVID situation and the crisis. But let me ask you this. I mean, how did you reinvent yourself at that time? I mean, and re-innovate yourself as a person? I think I'd say by nature, I love people. I love talking to people. This is just me. I've had this my whole life. Like I get along with everybody. And on the other side, I become genuinely interested. I find interest in anything. So I don't have to find something interesting to do it. No, you can literally do, tell me, hey, can you do this? I'll make sure that I have something interesting in that task and just go with it. So it wasn't, it wasn't really about a specific thing. It was about the people that I was that I was with, the energy that we had, the communication that we had. All right. But building things is not the hard part for us. It's not hard. It's just like, you know, if you have the right mindset, the right culture, the right people surrounding you, you don't need to reinvent yourself. I totally agree. Totally. And ideas just come to you all the time. And the flaws, yes. Yeah, so. Right, right. Well, um, okay, let me ask you this. I mean, so what do you think the best approach to, you know, uh, attract leads and customers in your industry, in your market? So, again, I'll go back to how I approach this. I don't create customers. I create friends. Why? When I go and meet with someone with, with a new lead, I make sure that before we even get to talk about business, I get to ask about who they are what they do i really genuinely become interested right. in who that person is i see okay once you do that then they'll tell you everything you need to build that trust but genuinely there are people that i see today their mindset is just sales and you can see it when you talk to someone and they keep coming back to you buying their products right. they feel it so our approach is not selling approach rather than creating value creating partnership creating friendship with the clients and that's why today we just get referrals we don't even need to get more clients anymore interesting and they reach out to us randomly hey i hope you and the team are doing well and we do the same thing to them totally makes sense makes sense yes yeah. for sure for sure so that's what it comes i mean this is i think the answer for my question for you how to actually create passionate users and customers. And I think this is the perfect answer for this question. By genuinely being interested in who they are before you thinking about how you can, you know, sell to them. That's totally right. So how the future look like now for uh, Startup Link? I mean, the uh, last link, Startup, is it, where it is headed, I mean, in the future? We're, we're very excited about what we have today in terms of both, honestly, from the service side, we're growing there. 
a lot of you know when you when you serve Slack, when you serve Pfizer, especially we serve the executive teams on those companies. So you also build the relationships there. But for us, we really we're trying to transform the virtual experience and literally give access to people from anywhere in the world. Hey, Turkey, you're here. I'm I'm in, in Sweden or I'm in, in the US, and I want to come and visit you here at your office. All right. I can literally walk into your office. I want to go shopping. So one of the clients today created a shopping experience on Bubble where okay. they created their background in a mall with stores. So you would come in with your Bubble and then you click on those and go to these rooms and just shop. So that's the experience. That's the future. And we want to be the bridge between Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Google Meet, and the VR industry today. We want to be the bridge and eventually we're going to add VR component to it. So you're going to have rooms on Bubble where you could use VR headsets. Really great. I mean, so. Yes, I wish you all good. I mean, like for this. Okay. If you go back in time, is there anything you want to change in your entrepreneurship you know, journey so far? Honestly, no. Okay. I wouldn't change anything. I think you really have to go through these experiences to learn how to run a business because at the end of the day it is not about an idea it's not about a platform that's right it's about management it's about communication it's about anticipating risks so all these you don't learn like if i today have a successful business or let's say you have a business you're running 100 percent and it's successful if you give it to me today it might not succeed it might not last because i don't have that experience right so i would not change anything we had a lot of failures we had a lot of successes but these all these are all the learnings like today if we stop what we do today if we stop bubble last link in all the services that we do i am confident with my team we can run another profitable business within a few months that all came from the experiences and the learnings that we had. Yes. So all the best experiences are connecting the dots to yes. what are you really going forward with. Is there any something uh, I mean, disruptive coming in your way to create for the world and amaze the world with any? I think Bubble is, is going to be the next big thing, at least for us. That's where our focus is today. But it looks really impressive. Yeah. I mean, it really... Looks very amazing product uh, for sure. It will be something valuable for people. Uh, so, what is your advice for someone who wants to their start their hand and starting their own tech venture and go through that venture journey of entrepreneurship? What is your advice for her or for him? Let me see how I can summarize <laughs> this. So, one, the most important thing you have to start. You don't have to have a business plan. You don't have to have a very complicated strategy. You just need to start. You don't have to have all the pieces together. A step by step, you'll get there. Okay, so that, that's one, the most important thing to start. Two, if you wanted to build something, see if you can serve this customer without you building a platform. Okay, interesting. If you can do this, if you can serve your customers before you build a product, that's when you know the in and outs of what they want, what they need. Okay. Then you can build something. Don't assume that you know. A lot of companies today, a lot of startups start building things, assuming that they know. Right. But then they find out that they don't and they just 
even the platform doesn't even see the light. Yes. It dies. So start. If you can serve your customers before you build a product, do that. And I'll give you an example. Yes. I please. was at this event that was done by Munshat here in the Dharan uh, conference. I think they have a building here. I forgot what they call it. But anyway, so a friend of mine, so this person who wanted to build an application for washing cars. All right. Okay. And the idea was he wanted to build this for Saudis. So if you want to wash your car, you would find a Saudi person, a neighbor of yours that could come and actually clean your car. And to me, it was brilliant because you're supporting locals. And if you come to me, and even if my car wasn't that dirty, and if you say, hey, I have some Saudis here that clean cars for this much, I would say yes. Wouldn't you do the same? Sure, yes. So what I suggested to this guy, I said, hey, look, before you build this product, do you have a WhatsApp group for your neighbors? And he said, yes. I said, okay, go find two people that are willing to clean cars, Saudis, from your neighbor and send a broadcast to those people saying, I have these two people from our neighbor that wash cars. Let's support them. If you need your car to be washed, contact me and see how many people come to you. That's right. So that's how you learn about the market. That's how you serve the market that you want to learn and build a product for before you even build it. That's totally true, yes. That's the um, second advice. But most importantly, know your customers. Talk to your customers before you build anything. Learn as much as you can. Talk to people. See what's in the market. I'd say talk to the customers that you want to serve before you even look into the competition. That's totally true, yes. If you can add value to customers... They wouldn't care about the competition. You're not going to raise money for an investor to tell you what is your competition. If you can serve me well, I'll come to you. So so see that these are some of the advices, but yeah, so you know your customers, know how you're going to build a business model, like how you're going to make money. These are the most important to know your customers and how you're going to make money before you start building anything. And if you can serve them, that's a bonus. Yes, totally agree. I mean, uh, you are talking uh, infinite mindset infinite game of business uh, which means that you really have to care about create something that uh, have a value for the customer or some people who need a solution for some problem uh, you don't have to uh, just be worried about the current competitors or what the competition is coming for your product or service that uh, you are trying to offer for people totally agree that well i mean it was really nice and i really enjoyed as always talking to you <laughs> it's a pleasure uh, thank you few last words just tell me what do you think success means for Tahi? success is having a stable life being able to spend time with your family and that's where success is family comes first I think it is I think I believe it is if, if you're running a business where you don't have time for your family that is not success that's totally true i believe that's right yes and then also being able to give back that's where success is yeah i believe so thank you so much taki for uh, uh, accepting our invitation today for this uh, podcast interview this is not going to be the last one by the <laughs> way i know taki is an innovative mind it will uh, uh, create another wonderful amazing services product for people and we'll have him another time for sure. So thank you for uh, listening for us today. And until the next time, be well.
Thanks a lot. Thank you. I love Turkey's character as he one of a kind, his humble, courageous, genuine character, and the personal traits he possesses, as well as the entrepreneurship and leadership traits too, that make him achieve more with less effort as a successful entrepreneur and a business leader. He's a great example for others too. Why follow your passion and gut and go the extra mile and build a global brand? And he showed us how and why to give up your first love idea and take the risk. And the right opportunity. I will share with you and show you why Taki makes up a successful entrepreneur and a startup founder as well. I mean, first he quickly learns from his failures, as he told us in his first experience with the uh, startup he gone through it, and thus means he's very determined entrepreneur as he reviews to fear failure. Second, he followed the very important role in building startups by launching the product right away with its only basic services that help the users to solve their problems and the issues they face. Here we talk about utilizing the lean methodology concept. As a startup founder, you have just to build the concept of the idea, measure it, learn from it as soon as you can. The third thing that he was really caring about building personal transformational relationship rather than transactional relationship where he showed us genuinely cultivating nurturing personal friendship connection with others he engaged with like the co-workers users and partners this is a leader attribute that uh, every leader has to possess and acquire the fourth thing which is uh, something really admire in him he plays the game of the business with infinite mindset as he really competes with no one and only focus on evolving himself and outdo himself and he was really creating innovative product with passion and meaningful fulfilling life the fifth thing that worth to mention the quality traits that he demonstrates as a successful entrepreneur he embraces a pivot mindset we all know today one of the most undeniable traits of real entrepreneur is the ability to be flexible and have a pivot mindset to move in the right direction when the time strikes and to turn pivot in another when required a pivot is a making a change in a strategy without a change in vision knowing where you can grow and move your ideas forward it is also knowing when to abandon an idea that lack luster knowing when to focus on a specific market or it can be leveraging on what is already working even if it goes against the initial plans he and his co-founder actually they demonstrated that when they experienced the last card concept idea and the change pivot to last link concept idea when the covid hit the world and this is count for them actually the most important thing he mentioned as uh, demonstrate as successful entrepreneur he puts family first and this is a reminder for every entrepreneur that to put family first whatever uh, situation you live in during your entrepreneurship journey or you become or achieve family comes first always for that and another i would ask anyone who consider to go through the entrepreneurship journey and build his or her uh, own startup please go back to this episode to this precious talk and learn from the lessons 
over here in our conversation. Thank you. This is Turkey Ahmed Podcast.